HawkeyeInsider.com, David Eichel, Sean Bach. Just leaving Kinnick Stadium following Iowa's 24-7 loss against Purdue. Really a, you know, a slow start for Iowa today. And, Sean, I think you and I both had the early indication that things were going to be in trouble for Iowa today with the early interception, Iowa going on that 17-play drive that resulted in a 25-yard missed field goal. And then, you know, you and I talked about all week on Hawkeye Insider, David Bell, David Bell, David Bell, probably the single-handedly most impressive wide receiver I've seen on a consistent basis against Iowa, 11 receptions for 240 yards and a touchdown. And it certainly felt like kid 240 yards. Yeah, honestly, I'm going to be, I'm going to go the other way with this one. But, you know, you look at the stat sheet in the first quarter and you're kind of like, holy cow, or maybe in the first half. You say, "Holy cow!" Like David Bell, like where where did these where did these numbers come from? Because you know, you never you didn't really realize. It. Obviously, you knew that he was potentially prone to have a big game, but you know, until you saw the stats and the second half performance was ridiculous too. And I think yeah. you know when he had that reception against Hankins, where Hankins went down, I think that was you know an indicator of what kind of day he could have. Because I mean, Hankins has. He's been okay when it comes to tackling this year. He's had kind of a, you know, he's been all right. But, you know, David Bell just kind of made made him look silly on that one play. And, you know, that's not a disservice to Matt Hankins. Obviously, you know, it's football, stuff like that happens. But, you know, I think that drive, too, you talked about Caleb Shudak ending it, um, you know, missing that 25-yard field goal. That was definitely, definitely a tough look. And, you know, I think that's where things, you know, you kind of got the vibe that, you know, these are where things are going to go. And that's never yeah. really a good feeling to have. No, and you're exactly right. I mean, Aiden O'Connell I thought was tremendous yes, today, he too. Was I mean, very good. Iowa, look, Iowa did not get the pressure that they needed to on the quarterbacks, but Aiden O'Connell was delivering absolute darts downfield. And I thought it was really interesting that, you know, Jeff Brom, they were doing the three quarterback system essentially, but, you know, one of them only came in for the specialty packages and whatnot. But, to, for for Aiden O'Connell and, and Jack Plummer to be as consistent as they were, despite you know switching in and out, it was a, it, it was impressive. And I think you do have to give a lot of credit to Purdue, but it was just one of those days where Iowa thrives on complimentary football. And I think Kirk said it best post game. They didn't play anywhere near their potential in any phase of the game. But besides returning, I mean, Ivory Kelly Martin had that sixty-seven yarder. Charlie Jones had a forty-plus yarder uh, punt return. I mean, they did some nice things, but Iowa thrives off. You know, like I said, complimentary football and using the juice that one side creates to keep that momentum going forward. I mean, that's why Iowa, after getting turnovers, they they score. We've seen you know big plays after big plays in in subtle ways uh, over the course of the year for this Iowa team. But there was really no none of those today outside the returns. I mean, yeah, Tyler Goodson ripped off a nice run. Keegan Johnson from the first play had that thirty eight yarder. But Iowa's offense just. It, it, you know, I think you need to give a lot of credit to Purdue's defense. George Karloftis was an absolute monster today. He won't get the credit that he deserves in the stat sheet, but he was an absolute problem for Iowa's offensive line today. Yeah, and I talked about that in one of my uh, post-game notes that, you know, offensive line, we've seen it this year. It's been a struggle for Iowa at times. You know, I wouldn't say, you know, there's some games where there's promise, but there's other games where you're just kind of like – when, when is there going to be some sort of consistency? And, there, you know, a lot of people will blame it on the rotation, stuff like that, but I, I don't think that's that plays a part of it. I think there's just inexperience in this group. I think at the tackle position, 
there's there's reason for some concern. You mm-hmm. know, I don't I don't think you disagree. Obviously, Purdue has a pretty good defense, and I think during media availability this week when Ken O'Keefe was talking, I was quarterback coach. You know, people were asking about backup quarterbacks. You know, how have these guys these guys look? But every question would go, every answer would go back to Purdue and what what Iowa is doing to per to game plan for Purdue. And you know, at the time, you're kind of like ah, like answer the question, like. I get it, but, you know, you want them to answer that question, but it's like they were valid concerns and valid, you know, the coaching staff was focused on Purdue, locked in and worried about Purdue because Ken O'Keefe even said, like, they had potential to be one of the better defenses they played this year. And which sounds crazy for a typical Purdue team that that we've seen over the course of the last few years. I mean, outside of a few big playmakers, I mean, it's just, it's a different, different vibe. And, you know, I, you know, I'll say this, too, about Carl Loftus. I mean, he landed one tackle, one sack, made three quarterback hits, but it was just about the constant pressure he was generating in, in yeah. the Iowa's backfield. And like you said, I think Iowa's interior line is solid for the most part. But, I mean, Sean, how many plays do we see a day where Tyler Linderbaum was literally the only guy holding his block? Yeah, there were there were a couple of them from what I remember. And I, I, do, I do think the interior of the line's been solid. I mean, Justin Britt has been here and there. Connor Colby... You know, I'm not sure what his whole situation is. He played the first drive, but I do you remember him going in much the rest of the game? I think I've not seen saw really. him. I think there was one drive where he came in and the run looked a lot better. But outside of that, you know, you don't you don't really think of many notable moments when he was in there because I think Britt, Shot, and Colby are those top three guys. Mm-hmm. But just at the tackle position is where is where I'm concerned a little bit. I I think those guys. I think Nick DeYoung and Mason Richmond are going to be. Very solid players in due time, but the inexperience and the struggles—they've—they've they've been very—they've been very notable. And you know, that's—I don't know what that goes back to. I mentioned inexperience; they're still young, but you know, you got to be able to produce. And I'm not hating on them, but it's kind of just been up and down this year. And it, you know, in in games like this too, where it's fully exposed. Yep. And that was one, of, like you said, you talked about that with Carl Loftus. I mean, yeah. he was the most elite edge rusher Iowa's played this year. Yes. Um, Arnold, uh, the Penn State edge rusher, 17, was really, really solid as well. Um, I think he had three and a half tackles for loss in that game, maybe a sack or two. He was really good. But like you said, I think Mason Richmond has a high ceiling. I think he's continuing to get experience. I think Nick DeYoung, I think he's a moderate to high floor caliber guy, but there's only so much of a ceiling you're going to get with him. Because, I mean, you look down the list at guys like, you know, David David Koff. Um, we saw, I think we saw Bo Stevens warming up with the two. That he's, he's a guard. He's a guard, but he's warming up with the backups. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys, Sean, that Iowa's going to bring in, they have in the system, that just need a little bit more time to really get it going. So, I, you know, I do think Nick DeYoung, I think there's going to be a legitimate tackle competition for a spot next year. And, again, that's no shot against him whatsoever. But that's the way I think it's going to need to shake out. And we need to talk about the offense, too, a little bit. Sean, I think there's a couple ways we can go with this. But I think there's a lot of talk about Spencer Petrus after this game. Rightfully so, to some extent. He had four interceptions, a career high. I think three of them came in the fourth quarter. Two of them came within the final five minutes. While he wasn't good, he was 17-32, 195 yards, four picks. I think people are still putting a little bit too much on him. I think it was a very bad combination of things today. Now, certainly, he does need to be held accountable for it, and I think he's the first guy to admit that he was not good today, and that's what he said in front of the media. But, Sean, we've seen over the course of his career, if the pocket's not clean, he's not going to be able to make these throws, and the pocket was not clean today. 
whatsoever. Yeah, and he tried to get outside the pocket a little bit with some of his throws, but you know, he ended up just, you know, taking the safe option. You know, that's 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 not a bad play. Like that's not a bad play, but you see some of these other guys and some of the throws that they're able to make. I'm not knocking on Petrus because I think he can make a lot of throws, but yeah, it's just like the difference between a clean pocket and a collapsed pocket for him is night and day. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's the case for a lot of quarterbacks, almost every quarterback, but you really got to have a clean pocket with Petrus back there. And that goes back to having mobile quarterbacks. I'm not saying that Iowa needs to change up their scheme completely, but, you know, that's just kind of how Petrus is. When the pocket is clean, he is so much more efficient. That's just his play style. Mm-hmm. And Purdue did a great job game playing for that. They were constantly getting pressure on him and making him really uncomfortable. You know, maybe it wasn't always resulting in sacks, but they were just constantly in the backfield. It felt like every play, it felt like Petrus was on his toes. I think they had four sacks, and they came into this game with seven sacks on the year in four games. Yeah. Which is very impressive if you can if you look at the numbers. I think Karloftis led the team with eight hurries on the year, eight quarterback pressures, and he had a number of those today as well. And, you know, I talked about it in my keys all week long that it's going to be Karloftis versus the Iowa tackles. Purdue likes to move Karloftis around. He's not just going to terrorize you on – on one different on one different side, he's gonna move around. He's gonna make life difficult for you. Whether you know depends what gap he shoots. Like he's going to find ways yeah. to get to the quarterback, and he did just that. And Iowa couldn't find ways to contain it. And you know you talk about Purdue as well. Their offensive line did a spectacular. Yeah, job, they say. did. They did a yep. magnificent job. I'm really intrigued to look at those pro football focus grades tomorrow because they they were really impressive. And it showed what Aiden O'Connell did. Because, I mean, Aiden O'Connell is a pocket passer, but he can also move around a little bit. And, he, you know, he moved around here and there, but he had a clean pocket. Often. He did. He, he did. was very He was very good. And, you know, a lot of that goes back to the offensive line play and how they did. I'm very intrigued to see some of the one-on-one reps, even though, you know, again, even if Iowa didn't win them, I'm very curious to see what some of those did because, like you said, Iowa really didn't generate much pressure. I don't really – you know, remember them blitzing too often because I think they were so worried about David Bell and Milton Wright and those guys, Sean. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think Purdue did a great job of trying to get George Karloftis involved and really keep him on his toes. And you know what, you know, Sean, as you were talking, I really thought about this. What Purdue's defensive line did to Iowa is exactly how I, what I felt like Iowa's defensive line did to Michael Penix in the Indiana. That, you know, they, they forced mistakes – Petrus at times I think he thought the pocket was collapsing when it wasn't collapsing. Now I think I think Purdue did a better job of getting a little bit more pressure on it on him, but it was very similar the more I think about it. Um so again I'm intrigued to go back and look at the film and you know, Sean, I think, you know, another thing before we hop over the defense and you know, talk about just the secondary and what really happened there. Um Keegan Johnson, I mean, I think he really needs I think there needs to be some strong consideration that, you know, with all due respect to Tyrone Tracy, they, they need production from receivers. And Tyrone was entering the season as number one guy. I still think he can be the leader of that room based on everything I'm hearing. But, Sean, I mean, at the end of the day, it's about producing. And if you look at the numbers right now, Tyrone's just not – he's just not producing at the level that certainly he expects, but I think Iowa expects. And you look at Keegan Johnson's low snap counts – 
And the grant, they're getting better by the week. I think he had 32 last week. I don't know how many he had today. The pro football focus grades will really be a big indicator of that. But what Keegan's done in his limited opportunities, I mean, he's Sean, I mean, he's Iowa's most explosive wide receiver probably on the list. And he's got five or six receptions on the year? Six, yeah. Six receptions on the year. And a lot of those have been like big yards after catch. Yeah. Big yards after catch, even big yards after contact. There's been there's been those. And you know, I'm did did Tracy have a target today? I think he had one catch. I know they handed him the ball on this uh, on end around. Let me pull up my stat broadcast real quick. I mean, Grant, I I need to look at more closely about how they're covering him yeah. and stuff. But initial still reaction fu- is, you know, he's the top receiver. He was supposed to be the top receiver coming into this year. But. I don't know if he had a target, but I don't see that he had a reception. Okay. Um, it says there's 32 targets on the list. Tracy's not listed, but again, I'm not gonna, you know, go into that. He had one carry for a yard, and that was the only thing I can really remember him doing. Yeah, that's that's a little concerning, you know, not being able to get the ball to your playmakers, and you know, like you said, defenses have done a good job of guarding him, and we'd like to see more of how they've done that. But you know, it's valid. It's valid reason to be concerned about you know him being so limited because he was supposed to be the guy this year, and it just hasn't gone his way. And, you know, I don't know if that's a system thing. You know, him and Petrus aren't on the same page. What the deal is, but he is the top guy in the room. And we've seen him in the past. We've seen him against Northwestern. We've seen him against Wisconsin. We've seen him in other big games where he's made that big play. Yeah. And we just haven't seen that this year. And that's what the Iowa offense is missing. I wish I had the stats in front of me, but I would be surprised if Iowa wasn't near the bottom of the league when it comes to um, explosive plays explosive plays and just chunk plays of over 20 plus yards hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yeah, I like I said, I wish I had the stats in front of me as well. I think Tyler Goodson said a handful. He had a 32-yard carry day. I still think Iowa has a lot of room to grow in the running game. Um, but again, if they don't have good tackles, it can be difficult to really get that going. But, you know, and Kirk said after the game, he felt like the run ga- running game has been growing the past two weeks. And to some degree, I do understand it because, you know, Tyler's getting these six yards, these eight yards, and then generating a couple of explosive plays. And I think Tyler's done a much better job of not dancing in the backfield. He has really attacked the opening strong, and he's been getting some of those yards that earlier in the year he, he really didn't do. But again, only 12 carries, had 68 total yards, and again, to be fair to Kirk and, and Brian, they really got to a point where they had to throw the ball because they were down by so much they couldn't, you know, eat the clock. Like I said, I got a really bad feeling for Iowa when they didn't produce points on that 17-play drive that lasted, what, seven and a half minutes or something mm-hmm. like that? Yeah. Um, but, you know, flipping over the defense, Sean, um, man, I mean, I, I said this on a couple of radio programs and stuff earlier in the week that, Iowa's got to find David Bell the second he crossed the state line. Follow him to the hotel. Follow him at team meals. 
I wasn't joking. <laughs> you look at what he did today. I mean, in Kirk's said it might have been the most impressive wide receiver performance he's ever seen. And well, it was he, the best one at Kinnick in his tenure. Yep. Set a Kinnick Stadium record for most receiving yards in a game with 240. Yeah, it's uh, that was over. I think it was like I was listening to Purdue SID. I think he said it was 1980, 1981 that that record was set. That would have been Kirk's first year, I think. Close oh, to. Oh yeah, as, as, as an on assistant. The, on the set, on the set, yeah. yeah. Um, no, that, that's, I mean, it was wild. I mean, every time he threw the ball, you assumed it was going to David Bell. And it was interesting because their first seven plays on that first drive, they didn't target David Bell once. And I think as I put in our, our live chat, I said, yeah, I don't expect that to continue. And again, Matt Hankins, second highest rated cornerback, according to pro football focus has had a really great year in coverage. David Bell did whatever he wanted to. And Jack Kerner said post game. They were not trying to allow David Bell in one-on-one situations. But the way that the Purdue offense was spreading out the receivers, you know, going in empty backfield, Iowa not generating pressure. At some point, even if you blanket David Bell for seven, eight seconds, if you're getting no pressure on the quarterback, you're not going to be able to guard David Bell for 12 seconds. That's just not realistic. And, again, I think it was a big combination of things. But, I mean, Sean, it really felt like every single throw outside of a handful they were they were picking apart the zone. These were wide open throws that they were making it from at times. Yeah, and a lot of those were, and you know they were timely plays. You know I think at one point in the game Purdue was eight of twelve on third downs. Yeah, that, that ended up being nine of sixteen, but eight of twelve at any point you're eight of twelve. That's a very strong number. That's a very impressive number, and that's where Iowa struggled in the past couple of weeks. You know I don't think they were overly great against. Penn State when it came to that. Yeah. I think they weren't against, you know, North Texas, Kent State. I'd have to go back and look at those. But, you know, I just think, like, the third down, it's just putting the drives together, the defensive drives together. We talk about the offensive drives and being able to convert, being able to make those bigger plays. But, you know, those chunk plays on third down were such – like some of them were like third and long. 16. Like it was – Yeah. You know, it's a totally different thing. Iowa's QB sneaking – on third and one, third and two, but if you're getting 15, 16 yard completions on third down, if you're allowing those, that's that's concerning. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point too, Sean, because I know you you had talked about that with me last week during the game when mm-hmm. when Penn State was hitting that. I'd love to see the numbers over the past few years because it really seems like Iowa's bread and butter for over the years has been really stopping teams on third down. Yeah. And for as good as this defense is, and as good as they have been. They have not done that over the past few weeks. And going forward, I mean, you know, for as bad as Wisconsin's offense has been, you can't allow that to happen. I mean, Minnesota, Sean, that could end up being one of the crucial games in this the rest of Iowa's schedule. Minnesota, fresh off a big win against Nebraska. Minnesota's second, sitting second place in the Big Ten West. Yeah. I mean, these are crucial games coming up. And I think Iowa hitting the bye week, it really couldn't have come at a better time. And Jack, you know, I'm going back to Jack Kerner. Jack Kerner said they, you know, kept – Picking apart coverages, switching coverages. They were going cover two, cover three, doing different things. But, again, I really do think for as much as Iowa didn't execute, you have to give Purdue a lot of credit. I thought their game plan on both sides of the ball was tremendous. Uh, Iowa didn't shy away from giving them credit. And Seth Benson just said, look, I can't wait to get back in the film room. We have a lot of stuff to correct. And, you know, they were almost lost for words for the most part. I mean, we only talked to four players. Spencer Petras just said, I need to be a lot better. I was forcing things, and 
you know, it's something that I'm curious about, Sean, as we head in the bye week, we'll talk about this in our podcast, but I want to preface this now. How does Iowa reset from a game like that when, you know, entering this week, Spencer Petra said, you know, that first game against Purdue really bothers me. It said it, He said it bothered him still because that was his first career start. It didn't do much. He said that's always kind of haunted me in the back of my mind. Now, after throwing four picks, granted, a couple of them in garbage time, but it's still the stats. Is this loss going to bother him going forward, and how does he mentally bounce back from that? Because it's not even just like – it's not like they're coming back in seven days. They have a week where it's going to fester. Is he going to be able to flush that out and learn from it, or is it going to be something that's going to linger on? I'll leave you with a bigger question. I think this one is interesting. I know Iowa's had offensive weaknesses this year, but were their offensive weaknesses – exposed even more today with the defense not playing to its caliber? I think so. And, like, I think a lot – I think that's a good point. I think there's obviously a lot of questions about the stats, don't lie. And I think people did know it was bad. But it doesn't matter when the other facets of the game are playing as well as they do. And, you know, the wins and the losses are really, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters. doesn't matter how you get them. That's what you're going to be judged on. But like you said – I think, I think that's an excellent point um, about that. But Iowa's offense traditionally has been opportunistic, but they did not win the field position battle today. They didn't weren't set up in that many good opportunities outside of the garbage time, the big returns and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I mean, Torrey Taylor didn't have a good day. I want to see what happened on Caleb Shudak's field goal, though, that 25-yarder. That was just a really weird, you know, kick mm-hmm. um, when that whole thing went down. But, yeah, and I think, you know, for Petrus and those guys, they're going to have to take a long look in the mirror and really – I think they've been really good at honestly evaluating themselves this year, Sean. But it's going to be put up or shut up time for these final five games. I think this is a week next week where they can really start th- looking at the big picture of things and really start to realize what they can still do. And they're right. People don't want to hear it. Everything's still in front of them. I mean, even the college football playoff, as crazy as that sounds, every single thing outside of an undefeated regular season is still in front of them. Yeah, and, you know, you can decide whether or not to cut this out or not, but – I'm going to I'm going to put a verbal meme up there. Verbal meme always the always has been meme with the with the astronaut pointing the gun to the guy's head with the first guy saying looking at a picture of like the Purdue defense being like wait the Purdue defense is good and like Jeff Brom the guy behind him with the gun being like always has been. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of that like for the last 5 minutes but I couldn't I couldn't think of, like, a solid, like, one to come up with. But I thought that was pretty cool. That's, that's pretty good. But wait, what were, you, good. what were you asking about the... I mean, I mean, it's. It, I think it's going to be a big look-in-the-mirror thing for Iowa. You know, how do they come back from that? Are they going to yeah. let... You know, are they going to fester in it, or are they going to be able to bounce back? Because now it's the big picture. Now are they going to allow their mind to continue? Will they be able to come back from it? How are they going to come back from it? Because, again, Sean, the reality is this team has everything in front of them still outside an undefeated regular season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no doubt. And, you know, you, you, they talk about loving to go – they'd love to go 7-0. and But, you know, just – that's not how it works sometimes with some, with some of the things. And, you know, I think, you know, a lot of people would be excited to be 6-1 and one at this point. But if the loss to Purdue, that makes it a little worse. And we talk about – I want to go back to 2019. I thought the Michigan game this, – this had a lot of similarities yeah. to the 2019 game. And yep. I was looking up – I kind of gave a weird answer there because I was looking up the stats to something else. So Iowa, after the after that Michigan loss, they lost to Penn State at home, 
Then they went on to beat Purdue, Northwestern, lost to Wisconsin at Wisconsin, beat Minnesota, beat Illinois, beat Nebraska, and then beat USC in the Holiday Bowl. I think this team will be able to bounce back. But I think there are some things that really need to be honed in on during the bye week. And if they're not, then I think it's a valid reason to be a little bit concerned that this game was an indicator of some of the weaknesses that Iowa may not be able to overcome. But you're not going to be playing David Bell every game. But if you want to go to the next level, yep. you're going to be playing up against receivers like David Bell. I will say this. I think there's two, three things I'd hone in on. Establishing the run game, yep. you've got to get Tyler Goodson going. He's your biggest playmaker in space this season. And I'll go as far as to say, Sean, reevaluate the depth chart at certain positions. Take a bye week. Go through almost a retraining camp like, and don't be afraid to make changes because, again, this team has a shot to do what it wants to do now. And it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, where they can go. But I would say reevaluate the depth chart, establish the run game, and find a way to create some pressure on quarterbacks. As gray as Iowa's secondary is and the linebackers have been covers this season, Sean, you can't allow a guy to sit in the pocket for as long as they did. And I, again, I think there's a lot of young talent on Iowa's defensive line. But at some point, you got to find a way to throw some new wrinkles in there. But like you said, you're not playing David Bell every week. But there are certain things that have to change. And I'll say this, too. Iowa's got to get more aggressive offensively and learn how to really execute some aggressive plays after a big play works. Think of the Keegan Johnson one, the 38-yarder. 38-yard, beautiful, right? Boom, boom, boom. They throw. end up throwing a pick. But they did nothing after that. They didn't utilize that momentum. They threw two dead run plays, then threw a pick. That can't happen. they got to keep staying aggressive and attacking yep. the weakness of the defense, and they haven't done a good job of that this year. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with you on that. That's that's a good point. That's That needs to be something you can build on. You need to be able to build on those things to, you know, continue that momentum and continue that sort of just upward trajectory and just keep that consistency because we have not seen it except for the Maryland game maybe this year. Sure. Well, I know, Sean, you and I will uh... – Rewatch the tape and probably discuss it during the bye week, and then we'll talk more big picture stuff. Plenty of post game stuff at hawkeyeinsider.com. We'll have more coverage tomorrow and throughout the week. But be sure to follow us on Twitter at David Eichel, at SBOC247, and at Hawkeyes on 247. And as always, stay tuned to hawkeyeinsider.com, part of 247 Sports. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Swarmcast, and uh, we'll talk to you in a few days. Okay, picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.